Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your hostess, Susan Weed. We've been discussing herbal antibiotics, and we will be back right after this. Join us in our circle. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. situation in the public where people come to you and ask for assistance. Very true. And not just ask for you ask for like where's the toilet paper, but what should I do about this health challenge? Right. You're being asked to help people in a setting that is not giving you the trappings of the support that most people who answer those questions get. Right. Meaning a doctor makes 
you know, 150000 and then they're asking some employee store clerk that works behind the counter, hey, what about this cancer? <laughs> and you're just like, uh... <laughs> exactly. I'm not laughing to make light of it, because I take it very seriously. It's, But it is funny, like, that... that you're laughing I, because any human being <laughs> in that situation is going to be somewhat nervous. And it's a kind of nervous laugh, like, you're asking me about your cancer? <laughs> really? Okay. You know, right. and actually, of course, you do have some good information to give them. The more that we can warn people who have cancer off of taking supplements, the longer they'll live. The more that we can warn people who have cancer off of doing any kind of cleanse, the longer they'll live. The more that we can warn people who have cancer off of severely limited diets, raw food diets, vegan diets, juicing, the longer they'll live. So we can actually counter a huge amount of misinformation that is out there. So um, one thing, we do have some teas, actually, uh, not to get too far off topic. There's one that's called a cancer and tumor blend tea that the herbalist recommends make into a strong concoction. We've heard some success with that. And people... Everything works someone sometime. What we're looking for is something that affects most people most of the time. Right. Right? So if I said to you, if you push on this pedal in your car about 1% of the time, it will stop. Would that be acceptable to you? Right. You need your brakes. <laughs> exactly. So the fact that some people get results with it for me, isn't really good enough. Because the fact of the matter is that some people are being diagnosed with stage zero cancers or very, very beginning stage cancers that have a high rate of spontaneous remission. Right. And I like how you said to my co-host and associate producer, Janice, when you said, I don't treat conditions I want people to treat themselves like they're, they're, I'm treating the person. I'm not treating the condition. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm not taking the condition out to dinner and treating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I sometimes say to people, well, I bet you've never seen a headache walking down the street. But actually, occasionally people will say, oh, yeah, I have seen a headache walking down the street. And I say, no, no, that's not what I mean, really. <laughs> Some headaches have come into the store, I think. <laughs> right, exactly. But what we're talking about is that each person um, has a different expression of that. As a matter of fact, for each one of us, there may be different times in which we have different headaches. Right. And... Whereas drugs would be used to uh, what alternative practitioners call treat the symptom, which is the pain. And certainly we have herbs that treat the symptom, that treat the pain too. As a matter of fact, most practitioners, no matter what they're using, are treating the symptoms. Right. They're, they're doing their best to get rid of the pain, get rid of the fever, right? get rid of the spots, heal the broken bone. We're treating symptoms. But what we like about herbs 
is that herbs, in addition to treating the, the symptoms, can also nourish us so that we can rebuild and be healthier. Yes. And I have one brief question for you, and then we'll move on and go to the show's topic. You mentioned the juicing thing. And I've often said I like smoothies better than juicing because juicing is like it's extracting so much sugars and getting, getting rid of the fiber. But if I take some vegetables, yes. fruit, and put yes. it into a blender, to me, I think that's a more healthy approach. I'm just curious your opinion on that since you mentioned that juicing. <clears throat> 100% correct. Basically, the fiber is one of the most important parts of the fruit or the vegetable. And so when we juice a fruit or vegetable, we lose the single most important part of it, which is the fiber. The second most important part is the minerals. And minerals are protected by the cell wall in the same way that we think of silver ore being in a rock. And we have to melt the rock to get the silver out. We literally have to melt or break up in the plant cell to get the minerals out. And juicing doesn't, does not do that because plant cells are very small. About a million plant cells would fit into a printed period. So we don't get the fiber. <clears throat> we don't get the minerals. And we don't get to my mind, which is the most important vitamin, and that's vitamin A activity. Because vitamin A activity only comes from heat release of carotenes. So we know that tomato paste is about 25 times more actively active in terms of vitamin A than a fresh tomato. Certainly, we will get chlorophyll coloring matter, which is held outside the cell wall, sugars, which are in the intercellular fluids. And if we drink the juice immediately, we certainly get some vitamin C. But basically, that's all it is. In fact, I'll go you one better. What I tell people is, if you feel tempted to have some fresh fruit or vegetable juice, go get a chocolate malt. Do something that's really healthy. <laughs> that's funny. Right? Chocolate's a fabulous source of iron. Malt is one of the best possible sources of B vitamins, and milk is a fabulous source of protein and minerals. There's quite a few calories in a chocolate malt. It should replace a meal, but it's certainly a lot better than replacing a meal with a raw fruit or vegetable juice. And people say to me, I can't believe that's true. I said, well, then go to the supermarket and start picking up bottles of fruit juice and check out the nutrition label, and you will see that generally the only nutrient they list is vitamin C, and that's because they have synthetic ascorbic acid added to it. In fact, the only juice that you'll find that has any vitamins or minerals in it is tomato juice or V8 juice, both of which are cooked juices. Yes, and like you said before, the fiber, I was making some, because, you know, working in the store, and I was recommending uh, smoothies, not juicing. That's what I was saying. Keep the fiber. In fact, a watermelon, the rind, has 60% of the nutrients. So you can juice the rind, or not juice, I mean a smoothie, the rind. You just grind it in the blender. It's perfectly safe. It's got 60% of the nutrients. And so there's all these things about the fibers and the, and the, and the rough material that I find interesting. Anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. <clears throat> So important, and you get a lot more than nutrition if you freeze the fruit before you put it in your smoothie, including the watermelon. Mm. As a matter of fact, there was a researcher. 
Zeanthinin is one of the carotenes in watermelon. And this researcher was in the lab feeding people watermelon and then measuring their blood for zeanthinin. And he really just felt like hitting his head against the wall because he couldn't get anybody's blood to show that there was zeanthinin from eating the watermelon, even though the watermelon had plenty. And, you know, when you're so frustrated and really trying to do something, sometimes it just kind of comes to you in an odd way, and he had a dream. And in this dream, he and all the people in the lab were on a glacier eating watermelon. So he went back to the lab, he took the watermelon, he threw it in the freezer, cut it up, threw it in the freezer, fed it to them, frozen, bang, zeanthinin in their blood. Wow. You want the nutrients from food, you have to break the cell wall. You have to heat it, you have to freeze it, you have to ferment it, you have to dehydrate it, or you have to cover it in oil. Smoothies, especially smoothies with full-fat yogurt and frozen fruit, have the fat and the protein in the yogurt that helps us get the nutrients out of the fruit, which is then liberated by the freezing. None of which and happens maybe, with the raw Maybe even the whirling of it warms it up, too. The blending of it, maybe it heats it up, depending on your blender. Some are really powerful, and you can almost feel it getting warm. Uh, but I don't know if that's enough to break down the cell wall. Not but enough. I know what you mean. Not it's, enough. Not, not nearly enough. enough. Okay. Good point. <laughs> Think applesauce and apple butter. We cook our apple butter for 24 hours. Oh, Okay. Like it really requires long, careful cooking to break down cell walls. That's why our ancestors always engaged in those kinds of things. You know, I loved it when I first went to Hawaii. You've been there, right? And the way they cook is they dig a big pit in the ground, and then they build a fire in the pit. And they let that burn down to coals, and then they put lots of banana leaves in there. And then they put everything they want to cook. And they put more banana leaves, and then they throw the dirt on top, and then they go surfing. Leave it alone. Leave it alone for what? 12 hours, 14 hours? They do that first thing in the day. By the time it's nightfall, it's ready to eat. Long, slow cooking. Everything went in there, including, of course, their pineapples. <clears throat> so... And one of the things they didn't throw in there was astragalus, but we are throwing astragalus into everything. Um, people are seeing this as a very bad tick here. I am actually, interestingly enough, um, have found it not to be such a bad tick here at my place. I'm not sure why. I could make up reasons, but not not bad this year. But I have picked up ticks at almost every one of my friends' place, and astragalus is the herb that I am going to count on for making sure that my immune system has everything it needs to deal with getting bit by a tick. Not courting it at all, but I am happy to be using it. Uh, Stephen Booner suggests that you can consume as much as three tablespoons uh, the powdered astragalus a day in a chronic condition. In an acute situation, you can take up to six tablespoons of powdered astragalus a day. And we are not eating that, excuse me, for what I would call maintenance. 
and for helping just to be sure that my immune system has everything it could possibly need to help ward off limes. But as you can see, those amounts are pretty high amounts. You can strew astragalus as freely as you want into your food. Yes, children can eat it. Babies can eat it. Lactating women can eat it. Pregnant women can eat it. Um, the side effects and contraindications for astragalus uh, basically are none. The Chinese have consistently used astragalus for millennia, especially in the treatment of suppressed immune function, and have not seen any side effects. Stephen Booner suggests that astragalus should not be used in late-stage Lyme disease because it seems in that particular situation to exacerbate the autoimmune response that might be happening at that point. We will also remember that astragalus um, increases the effects of interferon and acyclovir, and that this is a wonderful thing in clinical trials where they were treating people with hepatitis with interferon, which is one of the standard treatments, but not a pleasant thing to have happen to you. The outcomes were much better when astragalus was used with the interferon, and the side effects were much easier. Um, also, in situation with cervical erosion, adding astragalus with the standard treatment has definitely increased the cure rate. The use of cyclophosphamide will decrease the effectiveness of astragalus, and that's what people take who have transplanted organs. So if you have a transplant, astragalus is probably not the herb for you. Nutritive herbs are often quite safe and wonderful to take for people who have organ transplants, but other than that, the classes of drugs that, that they take often interact in strange ways with herbs. A considerable amount of scientific testing has taken place with astragalus, uh, including human trials, animal trials, and uh, lab dish trials. In fact, there are over 800 studies with astragalus in English alone and thousands and thousands more in China. At this point, two U.S. patents have been granted for the use of astragalus as an immuno Stimulant, in other words, an agent that increases the activity of the immune system. And we talked about that before when we talked about astragalus, and I referred you back to Stephen Booner's book because he gives you the specific stories, studies with all of the fancy words and exactly what was going on when astragalus was used in the treatment of herpes simplex, when it was used with different cancers, with congestive heart conditions, what um, kind of studies have been done, and in what ways has astragalus been found to have a broad immunostimulatory effect for a broad variety of people in different situations at different ages and so on. 
I think we also talked earlier about the fact that astragalus has surprisingly been found to be an herb that is really wonderful for treating heart problems, specifically that it inhibits viral infections that can injure the heart. But not just viral infections. It reverses damage to the heart like Lyme carditis. And again, one of the places that many herbalists in the United States got into using astragalus was a preventative of Lyme and a treatment during early stage Lyme. So it is wonderfully exciting to us that studies have found that our use of astragalus in the treatment of Lyme um, has improved people's ability to be able to breathe, that it improves the electrophysiological parameters of the ventricular function in the heart, especially when Lyme has disturbed what is going on there. Uh, Booner recommends trials of asparagus with 19 people with congestive heart failure, and within two weeks, 15 of them experienced alleviation of chest distress 